You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. You know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and, um, and you can't avoid uh, the joy of the Lord invading your life as you welcome and become acquainted with the Holy Spirit more and more. And um, I don't know a guy who walks in more joy than this, this crazy one sitting next to me right here. So I specifically asked Ryan, I wanted him to, we wanted, I wanted to tag team, but I really wanted to shine a spotlight on his heart and let him uh, just cut loose on, on his journey. Um, and then we, I realized later on after we scheduled this, that this is actually the first week of Advent. So happy Christmas season, happy first Advent. And I think it's incredibly fitting that we're talking about the joy that has come to the world this morning. And so without further ado, um, Ryan, why don't you tell us what your journey into joy, what your journey into the things of the Lord has, has been like? Sure. Before we start, though, can we put our hands out? It's going to be hard for me to sit down. I get excited. Um, get these stools out of here. We really want this to be an experiential time even though we're we're sharing because it's good to encounter the lord no matter where you're at when you're at right Mm -hmm. so holy spirit we just drink of you yeah (laughs) thank you lord we just breathe you in and we acknowledge that you're in every cell of our body (laughs) wow that's good okay Yeah, so my journey into joy, um, I will say that I've been misunderstood a lot. Um, I can't tell you how many times somebody has come to me after they start to get to know me, and then like a few months go by, and they're like, hey, I kind of thought you were fake, and that's okay. Um... Another misunderstanding, I think sometimes it's almost like joy is a good experience to have sometimes, but there's more important things, you know, as if the fruit of the spirit is seriousness. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So like... What's interesting, and it's almost like viewed as immature if, I'm, if we're laughing in the spirit or something like that, but to be honest with you, the more mature I've gotten in the Lord in the last 20 years, the more joyful I've become. Amen. You know, I think that um, anytime our, our brains encounter the real Jesus, we want to crucify him. So I think that your joy and people judging you is actually just people manifesting because they're coming in contact with something that doesn't fit their paradigm. And, you know, C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. I think strength is important, right? Strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I need strength the most when bad times are happening. And, you know, uh, I'm serious about joy 
And I'm not going to go into all the details of my story, but the joy of the Lord broke in in my life when I was in a dark place back in like 2006, 7, 8, 9. I don't even know. I forget the years. Um, I had depression, hopelessness, you know, addictions, addicted to pornography, stuff like that. And I will tell you that it is the joy of the Lord that has that set me free from those things. See, the gospel sets us free from things, but the glory of the gospel is what you've been set free unto, mm-hmm. not what you've been set free from. If it, when you when you it says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you'll walk in the spirit. Come on. You can shout hallelujah every once in a while. Like, it's cool. This is a feedback kind of Sunday morning. Participatory. And, you know, and like I alluded to before, like, it, you can't, you can't uh, divide the joy of the Lord with the love of the Lord because if it's the joy of God, God is love, so it's love's joy. Mm-hmm. It, it is love's enjoyment of me that strengthens me. It's my enjoyment of his enjoyment of me that is enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we love because he first loved us. And, and that, could, that could come across as if it's like self-centered, but no, it's putting Jesus so at the center of self so that self cannot be satisfied apart from him. That's worship. (laughs) Putting Jesus so at the center of self so that self cannot be satisfied apart from him. Mm -hmm. Um, Richard Foster said, joy, not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. We need to be lighthearted in what we do to avoid taking ourselves too seriously. It is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. Bill Johnson, I I, I love Bill Johnson. He says, passion that's not expressed in joy will usually lead to legalism. What's legalism? Trying to do things by the law in our own strength. See, if you're the fuel, you'll burn out. He's the fool, the fuel, and I'm the fool. (laughs) (laughs) The fool for the Lord. I wanted to mention this kind of at the onset, but today is not necessarily about uh, what can be taught, but what can be caught. So as we're as we're speaking, just continue to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. If if a good quote just sent a zinger into your soul, just receive. If you're feeling like a little bit of the sting, just start laughing because like the Lord is happy. He's not, he's not come with conviction with a furrowed brow. He's come with conviction like, here we go, baby. This is gonna get a lot better, okay? So just continue to like receive and be open to what the Lord is dishing out this morning. And I think another thing that's misunderstood sometimes is really I'm not about joy. Joy is the fruit of a tree, and the tree is Jesus. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I'm about the gospel. 
You know, the gospel's the spout where the joy comes out. <laughs> you know, it was, it was encountering Mr. Grace that changed my life. Grace is a person, and he's pleased with you. Um, so, yeah, I remember, so, yeah, without going, it's, it would be a long story to go into all the details, but I remember the thing that kind of shifted. I remember reading where David said that my heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. And it was like I had this like revelation or this epiphany or whatever you want to call it. And I was just like, why can't my whole being, spirit, soul, and body, why can't my body feel the tangible presence of God? Like, like why not? And I just started like just seeking the Lord. And um, I remember I was reading Romans chapter 6 and just talking about how I was crucified with Christ and I was raised with Christ and ascended with Christ. And looking how that, like just seeing that, it was like I had this experiential moment with the Lord where he was like, that old man You've been shadow boxing him. Mm. He died 2,000 years ago. Mm, come on. And your new creation self was raised 2,000 years ago. Mm. You know, the, the, as new creations in Christ, our journey is not really one of becoming, it's one of realizing who we already have become. Mm, come on. And so this is not merely an intellectual realization. It, it is a real, tangible experience. Like, like I have, like, 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 feeling the serotonin and the dopamine just fire off in your brain. Like, like we talk about being drunk in the spirit and stuff like that. And, then, and I'm going to go into that. It's biblical. Mm -hmm. It's being under the influence of Holy Spirit more than anything else. So when you read my heart and flesh cry out, what was it that you were like realizing about how his, his presence can touch even your, your, your frame? Is that what you're saying? He can even recalibrate the chemicals in your brain that he invented. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I, you know, did alcohol and drugs in high school and those are just mimicking the real thing. Ecstasy is not a street drug. It's a person. His name's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think what you're saying, uh, is we're, not, we're not a joy church. We're a Jesus church. And Jesus being anointed by the oil of joy above everyone else, we symptomatically become joyful because he is at the center of our life. Exactly. Yeah, joy is not a mustered up principle. It's the fruit of a person. Mm -hmm. It's the fruit of knowing him. And the, the cool thing about this is, like, at that time in my life, I mean, I was building a business. I had, like, 100 people on a sales team, five different states. I was doing a job on, as well. I, my, my, mayor, I, my first wife, within the, the first year, she, she felt like she made a mistake and left me. This was back in 2005, 2006. 2006 was, like, the year from hell. And, um, and so, like, but what happened, I'm mentioning all that because... 
when the Lord, when I started encountering the Lord, my circumstances didn't change. My perspective changed. Mm. But see, you taste and see that the Lord is good. So tasting him, experiencing him changes your perspective. Changes your perspective of him, and it also changes your perspective of you. And then fruit is just a byproduct. You know, it's fruit. Come on. Sometimes we focus on trying to muster up the fruit instead of just seeing the revelation of who we are in him. Then the fruit becomes what it is, fruit. Yes. Um, so good. And so. There's that old saying that uh, ignorance is bliss, and that's just not true. Wisdom and revelation are bliss. Like we're not burying our head in the sand pretending like there aren't problems in the world. We're burying our head in heaven and getting his perspective about the problems of the world. And he is the one who sits on high and laughs at the schemes of the enemies. And so we can actually look at what's going on in the world and, thinking, and think from the Father's heart, how ridiculous is that? Can we just laugh at that? And I... It's important to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not happy every day. Um, you know, I, f I feel like in the church, especially in charismania, I've been in the charismania for about 20-something years. Happy clappies? Yeah, yeah. Holy roller. <laughs> but we, we love to focus on the supernatural, and that's awesome, and we need to. But sometimes we neglect the super practical we're all on a, we're on a journey and you know therapy's a good thing heck yeah it is some of the healthiest people i know go to therapy we um, actually we have resources if you need if you're looking for counselors we have people we can send you to well, yeah like my wife hannah she has her own life consultant business and she helps people like and she's all about supernatural but she helps people you know um, get unstuck by discovering uh, subconscious belief systems, you know? And, um, and so it's okay to do stuff like that. I've learned a lot from her, she's amazing. But what, what the thing is though is like, yeah, amen, she's me. Um, you know, we want supernatural encounters because every time you have an encounter with the Lord, he infuses an aspect of his nature. And when you, the more clearly you see him, the more clearly you see who you are. So then when you go to the super practical, because, you know, pain takes time to process. You know, we all have pain in our journeys and things in our life. Mm -hmm. But when you go and do super practical things, the aspect of his nature helps you discover what the truth is and what the lies are. Hey. Hey. And then when the super practical is there, then you go to, and that helps you actually encounter the Lord more. Yeah. You know, and, and I think what falls under that too is, you know, Jeremy talked about um, being in the radical middle, you know, wanting to meet people where they're at, right? And another supernatural and super practical is we want to have, we want to be extreme in encountering the Lord, but we want to be extreme in proper theology too. Come on. You know, theology is just the, the study of theos. Theos is the Greek word for God. So like, it, it's, it's like you could say it's the pers your perspective of God. It's good to have a good perspective of God, right? Mm -hmm. So encounters help see it, him differently and good theology helps you go to encounter him better you know so it, it feeds into it mm -hmm. um we want this to be a safe place to like you said r&d a couple weeks ago research and development and, and, and go and, and let's believe what the finished work paid for and let's go after it together as a family um 
Did you, so, want, to put, did you want to put up that first slide? Well, I want to skip the first slide. Good call. Thank you. Um, okay, so what I want to do right now, speaking of proper theology and stuff like that, I quickly want to go into some stuff because I talked about how I countered grace. It's really about a revelation of grace, right? So I want to go into the biblical meaning for grace. But before I do, Judd, can you put up slide two? Before I go into the biblical meaning of the Greek word for grace, I want to go into two other Greek words that's in the Bible. That's Cairo, which means to rejoice exceedingly, to be glad. A reference in scripture for that is Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Slide three is the word kara, which means joy and gladness. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy, his joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full, fuel, full. What, one of my favorite translations of that scripture says that these things I've said to you so that my joy may remain in you as if it was already resting on them and that, and that uh, it would be to the full, like that joy would continue to grow. The reason why I wanted to show you these two Greek words for rejoice and joy is because I'm about to go into the biblical word for grace, which is charis, and it has a lot of deep and rich, rich meaning. It can mean goodwill, loving kindness. We've heard unmerited favor, but put up a put up slide slide four. Uh, world-renowned Scottish theologian T.F. Torrance. Um, he wrote in his doctoral dissertation in the year 1948, and it's called The Doctrine of Grace in the Early Church Fathers. And uh, I love this because the word charis has such deep meanings, but I love what he says. The classical word charis derives from the same root as Cairo, Kara, etc. And in its original and fundamental sense is applied to what awakens pleasure or secures joy. It is the quality giving pleasure or thrilling the aesthetic sensibility. Mm. See, religion kills, but Jesus thrills. <laughs> but I think this is powerful because, you know, the root of joy is it's the same root of the word grace so like what, what we can look at what i love about this is is caro means to rejoice kara means joy and charis is the source of the joy mm-hmm. joy to the world the lord has come, come on. it's about the gospel you know i was taught that uh you know some can probably relate to this but i was taught like mercy is not getting um what you do deserve, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. And, um, and, and I guess it includes that. Or, you know, you probably heard this too, grace doesn't give you permission to sin, it sets you free from sin, mm-hmm. right? Well, one thing I never understood was like, how can me getting away with my sin set me free from getting away with my sin? And it's, it's because true biblical grace invites you to taste something better than sin. Jesus, the son, tastes better than sin. 
once heard a, a theologian say that if you want to be a hedonist, you have to go all the way into the heart of Jesus because only in his presence is pleasure forevermore. Which leads, you, leads me to my next point. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who's at the Father's right hand? Jesus. Who else is? Oh, yes, we are too. Uh, slide uh, five. Even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And if you look at the Greek meaning with, um, you know, made us alive together with him, it, it means union. So like your union with Christ is the source of pleasure beyond measure. Hmm. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Um, I think that that brings actually makes me think about the the fruit of the spirit again. Like if we're if we're growing in the Lord, we would be growing in joy. Like the older I get in Jesus, I should have more smile lines than furrowed brow wrinkles. You know what I mean? Like when I pray, it should look less like this and more like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Amen and hallelujah, Jeremy. But yeah. So Jeremy, what, what was your, what's your journey into I'm glad joy? You asked, Ryan. <laughs> Actually, a lot like Ryan, I had people who thought that like my my happiness was insincere or that my smile was fake. One of my now best friends of 15 years, after we had been friends for about a year, he said, Jeremy, I have to tell you something. Like when I first met you, I didn't like you. I thought that you were fake. Like no one can be that happy, but time has gone by and it has not worn off. <laughs> and just like Ryan, you know, it's, it's not like I wake up like, like with the sunshine and birds chirping every morning, but it's, it's in the turning back within and seeing Christ again, that the joy that surpasses understanding begins to come back over me, and I like to goof around a lot, um, especially in church. Um, when I when I pre when I teach other places, often one of the first things I say is, "If God had an eleventh commandment, it would be, Thou shalt not take thyself so seriously.'" And even in our in our pre-service prayer meetings, after like as we're done praying and about to come in here and, and worship with the church, I'll often look at the worshipers and they can attest to this and, and like get, look really serious and say, don't screw this up, revival depends on you. <laughs> and we chuckle <laughs> because there's actually still some of the, the, there's remnants of that belief that creep in where we think it's about our effort. And then we're not starting from the it is finished line. We're trying to work our, yeah, this, that's a Ryan quote, by the way. We're trying to work our way to a place where Jesus already finished, right? So I grew up, um, I grew up with the happy clappies. Um, we had discussions about how to uh, spot when someone comes in with a tambourine or a shofar, you know, like, how did he get that in here again? <laughs> and... Uh, 
And I, I was really accustomed to like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the corporate anointing, ecstatic joy in worship. I was a dancer. I jumped and celebrated and danced wildly all through my youth and teen years. I mean, just experiencing some of those ecstatic moments. I, I've, I've, uh, been, I've experienced, you know, the, the holy laughter or the drunk in the spirit or the slain in the spirit. These are all just modern colloquialisms to what the Bible would call getting schwacked by God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not in there, but you've seen a lot of people get schwacked by God. Um, <laughs> and so I grew up, you know, experiencing a lot of the, the joy of, uh, of the Lord. Um, but I, I also began to turn it into a formula, and, and I boxed in those encounters and, and had this mentality, even though I wouldn't verbalize it, looking back, I was thinking that, only this type of manifestation or only this type of drunkenness or joy can happen in only this kind of meeting and only this kind of revival and only this kind of church gathering. Um, and it wasn't until much later that I began, uh, honestly, a lot through um, knowing Casey Hahn, uh, inviting the joy of the Lord, the Holy Spirit into everything that I do. I remember uh, one time when I was in ministry school, uh, we, uh, we had a conference, we had the lunch break, I went out with some friends, grabbed burgers, driving back, halfway back to the church, someone begins to giggle in the Holy Spirit. And then someone else did, and then we all did. And then we couldn't stop giggling in the Holy Spirit, I and mean, we didn't want to, I mean, I guess we could have tried to, but why would we stop such a happy moment? You know, we're laughing. And by the time we get back to church, the doors fly open and we fall out, and we're crawling <laughs> back up to the church doors, laughing the whole way, because God was doing something mysterious. And I wanna say, like, if we don't like laughter, we're gonna hate heaven. It's like, <laughs> sometimes like, I, I love to have fun in church and then like, I'll, I'll, I'll hear that old accusation in the back of my head. Oh, you're just working up, you know, you're just trying to work people into a, a happy moment. And then I hear the Lord, you know, smile at me and say, how dare you try to make my children happy? Every kid remembers the crazy uncle that comes over and tickles him and picks him up and throws him around. That's the Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Spirit is like when he comes into our meetings. So anyway, um, I have another story. My, my, my friend um, is a worship leader. He grew up in the church, but in a very serious version of it. And then a little over a year ago, he told me, like kind of like he was confiding in me. He's like, Jeremy, I, I got holy laughter and everything changed. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. And he said, it's, it's spread like into all these areas of my life. And he said, uh, my girlfriend uh, has had like debilitating health problems, often laid up in bed. It's just um, uh, symptomatic, all th like throughout her body, her liver is swollen often and she can't get out of bed and just autoimmune diseases and her parents have spent tons of money trying to get her like help from doctors. And, and so he said, one day I was driving down the road and the Lord said, your girlfriend is healed. 
just get her to laugh for 15 minutes. And he's a pretty funny dude, so he just called up his girlfriend on the phone and began to get her to giggle and laugh. And then she's just cackling on the phone, and they're just having a, a raucous time on this phone call. And then at the, at the 15 minutes in, he said, oh, by the way, the Lord told me you're healed. And immediately, every symptom disappeared. It was so dramatic that her parents took her to the doctor and the doctor is asking the questions, what have you done? What are you, what are you doing differently? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. I can't find any of the old you know, markers that used to be there indicating all of these sicknesses. It was so dramatic that her parents who grew up traditional were offended and refused to believe it and said, oh, it's probably gonna come back. You know, don't, you don't, don't trust this, this healing. This, and anyway, she's still healed. It's pretty amazing. You know, that reminds me, it reminds me of a brief story. Um, my in-laws are here, Paul and Quest. Paul uh, was in, was uh, uh, visiting Bethel um, in California, and he was in the uh, healing rooms, and this lady had a, a um, what was it? It was just like a tumor in her, her throat, and she could hardly talk. And what they were doing while they were praying for people, they had a Staples Easy button. And every time they would, they would basically just be really drunk in the spirit. And because he who is enthroned in heaven laughs at the plans of the enemy. So they were just, you know, just laughing over people who had illnesses, not at them, but over them. And, um, and every time they would get healed, they would press the, that was easy. <laughs> And, uh, that was easy. Yeah, and and he and he was there where basically she had a tumor and they were laughing, and then she eventually, like I don't know, a little bit later on, went over and threw it up in the trash can and was healed. Mm. And so, it's not like because laughter, it, it, there is something about when you know who you are and your authority, you can laugh. Yeah. So this, this joy, this manifestation of the Spirit isn't just for church meetings. It spills out into the rest of your life when you invite Mr. Joy to ride shotgun with you everywhere you go. Um, one time, I was at a steak dinner with Will Benoit and David Lucht. Was it, it was just the three of us. You were there? Something so memorable happened that I forgot a lot of the details of the rest of the night. <laughs> so we had sat down and we hadn't even given, like the waitress hadn't taken our orders yet. I think she had dropped off uh, glasses of water and she came back and I was looking at the menu and she was, oh yeah, she was standing behind Ryan, to, you know, like right, right here. And uh, <laughs> total goldfish moment. Because <laughs> goldfish forget. Anyway, moving on. Um, see, it's funny because um, <laughs> the waitress walked up <laughs> and I looked up from my mirror. <laughs> I do love mirrors, you know. This is going great. I He's not <laughs> drunk like you suppose. <laughs> it's, it's only 11 in the morning. Um, 
look up from my menu. And I lock eyes with this waitress, and she goes, <laughs> and she looks both alarmed and happy at the same time. God is my witness. I have witnesses. I have men as my witness. She is laughing uncontrollably, and then she's going, what is this? And Will just reaches over and goes, more, Lord. <laughs> And she was causing a scene. She had no idea what she was being infected with in that moment. And it was the joy of the Lord just coming off my face on accident, by the way. Um, one time the Holy Spirit whispered to me, laughter will be like a Trojan horse in which my angels will ride back into the church. I made sure to, when he told me that beforehand, I made sure to write down this quote that I, re, that I remember from Randy Clark. Anybody know who Randy Clark is? He's awesome. He says, the church is used to tears of repentance from godly sorrow over sin, but they're not so used to tears of laughter of godly joy. Come on. Randy Clark. Toronto outpouring. Whew. One time I was in the prayer room, and uh, this is many, many years back, and I was praying real hard, and I was pacing, you know, and worshiping fervently, and praying again, and, and uh, I heard the Lord say, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm interceding, and worshiping, and praying. He's like, not to me. <laughs> and <laughs> And he said, when are you going to go enjoy the life I bought you? That's good. He spent everything to give us the greatest gift of life to the full. And he's, he's wondering, like a good dad, when are we going to take that gift out for a ride? You know, if... We can, we can actually walk in this joy now. Like, I know we, a lot of us grew up with this mentality, like, in the great by and by. You know, it, when, when we die, everything's going to be great, and it's, it's going to be amazing. But unfortunately, that has turned into an escapism where death has become our Savior instead of Jesus. So the problem of putting joy in a box or putting joy, if we say, I'll be happy when, whatever comes after when is an idol in our life that is robbing us of the joy and contentment available now. If our joy is contingent on some sort of outcome, uh, then we're not living with this awareness of his affection for us in this moment. Sometimes, uh, there's, charismatics, we have all sorts of ways to um, hide the fact that we're no longer infatuated by the gospel anymore. 
And I can get, this has happened to me, you can get, you can get really drawn into like a, a subtopic or a minor instead of a major, instead of the major. You can get drawn into all of these things, these spiritual activities. Uh, you, you, you're learning all about dream interpretation. You're learning all about eschatology. You're learning about all this fill in the blank. And all of those things are good unless you are looking for your next thrill. And if we're looking for our next thrill, then we haven't really encountered the gospel in all of its beauty and glory and intoxicating joy. We, there's, you'll never exhaust the beautiful, unraveling, mysterious glory of Christ and him crucified. When Paul said, I've resolved to know nothing else, he's smarter than all of us. He knew a lot, but he said, all that stuff is junk compared to just Jesus and him crucified. I mean, the mystery of the gospel is enough to keep us drunk forever. And if we're looking for some subtopic to bring us back into a, a place of where we feel like we're graduating to the next spiritual level, we just need to raise our hand and slap ourselves and come back to the simplicity of the love of Jesus. Joy is just... It's seeing him as he actually is. Like on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us? We need Jesus to preach Jesus to us, right? So our hearts would burn just like those guys. Joy is realizing that God, he's not a judge in the, in the modern uh, sense of like judicial judge. He's more like a judge, like a doctor judges a sickness and produces a, a remedy to heal us of the disease. Joy is realizing that we have a father who is our healer, who is so invested in our joy that he will relentlessly wage war against anything that limits our joy. That's the wrath of God against sin. See, his struggle is not against you. His struggle's never been against flesh and blood, but the mentalities, the strongholds that are limiting us from living in the full life and joy of the Lord. Joy is seeing Jesus, whose face is so beautiful, he can simultaneously tear down an old stronghold of God and replace it with a beautiful picture of the Father. He is into deconstruction and reconstruction in a second when you look at him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation are, handi are, are walking around holding hands with the spirit of joy, which means that when we are seeing Jesus, it is just simply releasing joy in our lives. Even, even the, uh, the awesome things that we get to do, they're great. But when the 72 returned with joy saying, the, Master, even the demons are subject to us in your name, this is in... Luke 10, 17, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're rejoicing. And Jesus actually in that moment is rejoicing too. But then he, he brings it back. He says, rejoicing in this is nothing. Don't rejoice in this. Rejoice that I have written your name in heaven. Joy is what motivated Jesus to endure the cross. We have this unspeakable joy full of glory. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And even our, our very vision is just a, another tricking us into the joy of the Lord. As we worship and pray, as we minister to the heart of God, you can't help but become more 
joyful. I mentioned this up here a minute ago when I was being silly, dancing around on the stage, but First Chronicles, First Chronicles 15, 16, it actually says Levites were appointed to sing songs of joy and to make joyful sounds. So if you're a Levite, you have nothing sad to sing about. Isn't that wonderful? We get to just celebrate like heaven celebrates. Scientists can't even explain why laughter does what it does. Scientists can't explain why songs affect humans the way that songs do. I, I actually have a, a ridiculous video to demonstrate this. You guys have that pulled up? So they gathered people with weird laughs. that he invented laughter and we don't know why it's contagious no one in here can tell me why it's contagious it's because that it's God invented it. it is a mysterious gift from heaven that transcends our understanding Ryan what did you want to do now can I have the worship team come up There is a really cool mystery about impartation as well. And we want to open this up for impartation. Um, I think we're going to do a fire tunnel. Does anybody know what a fire tunnel is? Or it's a joy tunnel. Basically, it's, we have a ministry team on either side, and you're just going to walk through. And, and um, if you want to, you don't have to. Um, but I want to give a, a, an example of a story of going uh, to a fire tunnel. It was at a service, and, um, and y'all know who uh, Georgian and Winnie Banoff is? Anybody? They're actually nicknamed the Joy Apostles. Yes. Um, they're amazing. Um, but they're all about being crucified with and raised with Jesus. It's all about the gospel. Um, anyways, I remember I went forward through this uh, fire-slash-joy tunnel, and Georgian put hands on me, and I started, it was like I, I don't know, like became aware of the joy of the Lord from within me and his laugh, and it was like I just started laughing. And, and more important than the laughter was I literally felt intoxicated, like drunk, you know, and, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And I remember... I had to like crawl out of the tunnel and I was laughing over there in the corner for like 30 minutes straight. And then I was laughing driving home and then I was laughing going to sleep. And then I woke up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and I was laughing. And it wasn't like I was being controlled by laughter, just so you know that. I, I, I could have not but I didn't want to not. <laughs> and so there was just this like, 
And, and, and since then, like, I, my life changed. There was something that happened. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, I think it'd be good to see what the Lord wants to do. It, Ryan is talking about impartation. It says in Romans 1.11, like Paul is talking to the Roman church, and he says, I long that I could come and be with you, that I would impart something to make you strong or something to make you more complete. And so what Ryan is is saying is that we have happy people that want to impart the joy of the Lord. And I want to acknowledge that half the room is nervous right now. <laughs> it's half the room is nervous, half the room is excited. And you know, if we're in the Bible Belt, Okay, and we're in Frisco, which is like an affluent, like go-getter, be accomplished, own a business, which is all awesome. And like, but logic would say, if you want to reach Frisco, then be buttoned up, straight-laced, and put together. But beloved Satan cannot cast out Satan. Amen. <laughs> so, and I'll, I wanted to release also, I just uh, really had a word. When worship was ending... We slowed down, and I feel like God was respecting those of you that are on a journey into joy. I, I think God didn't want us to just say, come on, we're going to be joyful. But we slowed down, and I, I feel like the Lord invited you in that time to look at his face who wants to impart joy to you. And that's what we've been talking about. And I just, I think there's an invitation with this tunnel. Uh, Bill Johnson talks a lot about a curtain of discomfort. This won't feel comfortable to you that I'm talking about. But God wants to give you permission to be brave and to just receive the joy he wants to give you. Like they've been talking about, it's not your joy, it's his joy. He wants, he wants you to have it. He, he wants it more than you can even imagine. 